Ronananian. Hondas. Where was I? It was the funniest thing. Somebody had a problem with their Honda, and they were all upset, and I had to explain to them what Honda meant. And I just kind of floored them, and I left the room, and they were like, yeah, he's right. Had one, never did again. Doctor, just for giggles, when you turn the key on but the engine's off, does the check engine light light up? Uh, I believe it does. It better. You're looking now, I assume? You know what? I'm not seeing it lighting up, no. Okay. So now we know why the light's not on. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, that is the car doctor's 24-7 phone number. You can call that number anytime, day or night, 855-560-9900. Leave a message. This radio show is live on the radio network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. But you can call the aforementioned 855-560-9900 phone number and leave a message. If you're not calling during those live show hours, and Tom Ray, executive producer, will call you back and put you in the queue for the next live Car Doctor broadcast. And uh, you don't have to necessarily hear it in your market in order to be on the show. You can be on the show just by calling the 855 number Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. And uh, we'll be glad to talk to you and solve your car problem, get you on the right track, and uh, point you in the right direction. That's what I've been doing the past 27, 28 years? 1991, I forget now. It's See, I forget. I must really be old. I'm getting forgetful. Um, well, I'm not that forgetful. Trust me. Test me out. But uh, give me a call. Let's get over and talk to on line one. Let's go over and talk to Ruth in New Jersey. Um, some interesting comments and a little bit of a dilemma. I think we made some good choices here. Ruth, welcome. Welcome. How can I help you? Well, I don't know. It's like closing the uh, barn door after the horse is out because I already made my decision. Yep. But uh, I'd uh, like some information maybe for things that I could look for. I have a uh, 2003 Toyota XL6. Uh, has 158,000 miles. It basically owes me no money other than the standard maintenance uh, work on it. Right. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I popped the engine, and it was uh, 3,000 to repair it. And I've been mulling about. I did call last week, but I was too late to get to, to reach you. And in the meantime, I start looking at different cars. I'm in my 90s. I'm driving. I'm still able to drive, hopefully for a few, a couple more years. And I don't want to invest a lot of money into, uh, into a vehicle to right. buy a new one. Right. So I went ahead and bit the bullet and told them to fix it. I don't know if I made a mistake or not, but that's my dilemma. I, I want to know what I should look for when I get the car back. They did tell me I have a six, I'll have a six-month warranty on it. Okay. I, I think you did the right call. Um, I, you know, 
Here's my concern, and uh, you know, I, I always say this: someone's coming out of, regardless of age, but you, of the age of the person, you're coming out of a 15-year-old vehicle, going into something brand new. It is, it's almost overwhelming the amount of electronics that are in these cars today. And you know, if there's a way around it, to, you know, for three thousand dollars to get an engine, and you're back in the same car, and you know, for where you're going and what you're doing with it meets the budget. Um, I think it makes sense. I really do. Does the, the Do you have a regular mechanic that you go to, or is that the one doing the engine? Well, it's actually, it's uh, the gas station. Of course, I know he sent the uh, the car out to be done by a, uh, you know. An engine builder. Right. Right. And uh, so, uh, but I, I trust the, the, the fellow that I go to. Right. I mean, he does my maintenance work. And as I said, the car in the 16 years, um, it owes me very little money. I mean, maybe a starter. I got, of course, batteries. You know, maintenance things. Yeah, yeah. I'm comfortable in the car. The car looks good. I even had it repainted a few years ago. It has no dents or dings or upholstery and everything. It's still the way it was. And uh, I just, uh, they did check the undercarriage to make sure it wasn't rusty. Right. And I, uh, I, I think it was a good decision, just, just from my seat here, from your description. Uh, you know, obviously, so they're going to rebuild the engine. They're going to put an engine in it. And then, you know, obviously, too, I would think they're going to put tune-up parts in it, you know, spark plugs and filters and things like that. That would make sense. And if if they're not asked them that question, uh, you know, you may want to consider replacing the radiator if it's original. I uh, think they did say something about the engine and the radiator. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's 15 years old. Um, you know, you've got to think about some. Well, you did a starter. You just said, so you've 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 done a starter, and you know, the only other thing I could think of is, but if it's operating okay, I'd leave it alone. Is the transmission? Uh, you know, if the trans is working properly, maybe get it serviced while it's in there, as well as some of the other driveline fluids, if there's any that haven't been done in a while. But I. I think this is where the market's going to go because I think the price of the new car and the technology of the new car is just so overwhelming in some cases. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to become. I think the industry is going to get a little bit reborn if um, if uh, things continue to go in the direction they're going. So I think you made a right it, call. It, you know, I did look at used cars. We never bought used cars. We always bought new cars. Right. And my husband's theory was I'm not buying somebody else's headaches. Well, and I think he's right. You know what? You've already got a used car. Yours, right. Yours just happens to need an engine, but you've already got a used car. Uh, you know, and so the, it, the it, it makes the sense to The used cars that uh, would be feasible would be, oh, five to $7,000, uh, close to ten. Right. I don't want to go for that money for maybe a couple more years of using. Right. Well, and, and so to that point, right? So let's say let's say it's seven thousand dollars for the used car that fits you. You've already got a used car that fits you. So you'll put an engine in it. Your mechanic did it. The guy you trust. The guy you know. You'll do some of the other fluids, filters, belt hoses, etc. From the guy you know. From the guy you trust. And you're in a car that you're familiar with. You know the electronics. You know your way around it. Um, you know it's. It, it kind of fits. It makes sense. It really does. I, I, I think you made the right call, Ruth. You know, it's obviously it's going to come down to how well is the repair being made. Um, I think that's a huge part of this, too. Um, you know, yeah, I so, hope it just don't last six months in one day, and then I've got a problem. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if you're going to your guy on a regular basis, that, you know, that's what the relationship is about, right? 
Right. Uh, you, you know, it's it's to avoid that. You know, a year and a half from now, maybe that's a different story. But, you know, hopefully this is a shop that he's used or an engine builder that he's used, um, you know, that, that you know, they've, they've had good success with. Are they rebuilding the engine or are they putting a salvage yard engine in it? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, he, when I first talked to him, uh, he um, he said, uh, you know, it was going to be a rebuilt engine. Okay. So I'm assuming that's what it is, right? And a radiator. Okay. And just you know, just to ask him that, so that it's it's clear communication up front, right? Like any relationship, you just want to know what's going on before you get into it. And then obviously, if there is a warranty, you want something in writing. But I don't think that'll be a problem because you know this guy. Right. No. Uh, you know, so it's um, you know, it's 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 always good to have documentation up front and you know in a folder somewhere. It it eliminates you know words are cheap, and words are free, and so is uh, writing them out. And it just it just clears up any confusion when the problem happens, if it happens. Right. So. All right. right. So you've eased my mind a bit. I thought I was you know doing the wrong thing. I wasn't sure. I just. It's no, it's, no it's, it's, listen, I, so, you know, it's, it's funny because it's a timely call. The Ranger, my, my little 97 Ranger, the Ford Ranger pickup I've had, oh my gosh, since 2003, uh, we bought it used from a customer. It blew the rear. We've put a rear in it. We've put a, we've put a bunch of parts in it, but it just made economic sense because we could fix it and keep it going, and it's it's kind of like the shop beater. We've got to throw exhaust in it. We've got to throw suspension parts in it. We've got to drop off scrap. I mean, it's just a great vehicle. I'm starting to get a whiff, and I don't know if this is the beginning of something or not, but I'm starting to get a whiff of coolant when I start it now. It's got 218,000 miles on it. Um, so, you know, it's 218. It's 22 years old, and I had this same conversation in my head this morning. I said, you know... I know what I'm going to do. If I continue to get the smell, we're going to we're going to throw a bottle of K Seal in it because it's a great cooling system sealer, and it'll seal things up on an older vehicle like that and probably eliminate the problem. But if by some chance it doesn't and it became a much more involved problem, which I don't think it will, K Seal usually works. So in my experience, it's worked every time. Um, but you know, do I put an engine in it? An engine's got to be cheaper in a, in a in a little truck like that. If it was three four thousand dollars, and if I uh, you know, put a clutch in it. Even if I put five, six thousand dollars into this to to shape it up and do some exhaust work, it's still cheaper than a new little truck. A new little truck. I was up at uh, Ford last week or the week before chasing parts for something. A new Ford Ranger was forty three thousand dollars. And I, yeah, and I said, you know, for what to 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 dirty it up and and you know beat on it a little bit. So. No, I think you made the right call. And I'll tell you I'll tell you another place where you save some money, Ruth, that you're not even aware of it, or maybe you are, is ask your insurance company what the price difference is to insure a twenty twenty or a twenty nineteen Toyota versus your older Toyota. The insurance is you, you've had a you, you just created a huge cost savings on insurance. Right, I never thought of that. Right. You know, plus the registration. The registration for your Toyota is probably Fifty to one hundred dollars, and I can almost guarantee you the new Toyotas, a new car in general, one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty, you know, maybe more. Uh, granted, it's not a king's ransom, but you know, twenty-five, fifty dollars here, twenty-five, fifty dollars there, you know, things add up. But I guarantee you, the insurance is cheaper on that fifteen-year-old car than it is on a brand new one. So you saved quite a bit of money there as well. Yeah, well, I took the uh, collision off it. I says that right. It's 
I had a $500 deductible, they probably would say total it anyway. Right, it's probably total. It's probably total at that point. So, but um, no, I think you made the right call. I would, you know, just to close it out, I would just call your mechanic and ask him, hey, you know, we're doing the engine. Is there anything else we should do that we're in near proximity of? Um, that you know, if it if it goes in three months, it's going to be a problem. Just to you know, have the conversation, and you've done a starter. Uh, you know, maybe do you want to do an alternator? They're not common to go, but it is 15 years old, and it's the price of the part at that point. Um, you, you know, just just to try and save some money down the road. But hey, listen, if you're comfortable in the car, you had it painted. I think you made the right choice. I really do. Okay, thank you a lot. Uh, it eases my mind. I just, you know, even though I made the decision, I still had this gnawing feeling. No. You know, did I do right? Absolutely fine. That's what we're here for, Ruth. Okay, thank you so much for your help. And You're very your, welcome. Uh, yeah, you gave me some confidence. You're very welcome, dear. You have a good rest of the day. Um, yeah, that's. Listen, it's. You know what? It's. It's sometimes the car problem isn't how to fix it, but should you fix it? And we're here for that too. And by the way, for anybody needing more information. Um, about KCL, KCL.com, and they'll explain what uh, how KCL works, so KCL.com. 855-560-9900, Ron and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, welcome back. Um, quick email here. This comes to us from... Fred in Florida. Fred in Florida. Fred's got a question regarding, Ron, you're always talking about diagnosing vacuum leaks using something called a smoke machine and propane. Can you give us an example of where the smoke machine did not work? I recently had an issue with my Chevrolet where it was running lean and setting lean fault codes, and they did both propane and a vacuum check, and neither one ended up showing anything but they managed to fix the vehicle. He doesn't. He doesn't elaborate how. Um, I'm just curious because I want to know if what they did was right, or I want to know how do you do a vacuum and a propane leak check? Have you ever had it not work? Um, fair question, Fred. As a matter of fact, um, recently at the shop we had an 06 Ford F-150. Fred, Florida F-150. Say that three times fast. So we had an 06 Ford F-150 versus an 06 Fred F-150, and it was setting a P0171, P0174 lean fuel codes. And, you know, if anybody is aware, if you're not aware, you know, when we see lean fuel codes, it's it's if if base fuel mixture starts at zero, forget, forget the technical side, it starts at zero widgets, it means that when the vehicle exceeds adding up to 25% more widgets than base fuel, it will set a fault code. Simple conversation. We're not going to get super technical here. So, yeah, one of the things you'll go through is you'll you'll bring up certain things on the scan tool. We'll look at fuel trim. We'll look at O2 sensor values. I always look at O2 sensor values. I don't know if they did because sometimes fuel trim may not change as quickly as the O2 sensor. The O2 sensor is instantaneous. It's like a quick bang, and it, you'll, you'll see the, um, the influx and the change in O2 when it picks up the propane. Uh, as far as a vacuum test, vacuum is good, but you have to are doing a smoke test to to look for vacuum leaks. You know that's good, but you have to realize most smoke machines only operate on up to a pound, maybe a little bit over of pressure. So depending upon where that vacuum leak is, it may not show itself. 
and I don't ultimately trust vacuum, you know, smoke machine. I'm sorry, I don't ultimately trust smoke machine tests as the be-all and end-all. What I did recently was with this 05, it was an 0506 F-150, I forget which, with a uh, V8. It was setting lean fault codes. And couldn't find it using smoke. Found it using propane, sniffing around, but was hard to zero in on. What happened was there is a breather tube in the back of the engine that feeds the purge valve assembly for evaporative emissions. And the tube, it was an older vehicle. It had 340,000 miles on it. And the tube itself, some of the some of the rubber components on Ford vehicles as they age, it starts to decay. It, it, you almost have to wear gloves, which you should. We do wear gloves as much as possible um, when you're handling it because the black just kind of crumbles off and permeates into your hand. What happened was the, the, the tube split on the underside. You couldn't see it. When the engine was running, it would curl the split in, and when the engine was off, it would relax and go back to being a sealed hose. It was really kind of crazy. So couldn't find it with smoke. Smoke wasn't enough pressure to push out you know, and make the leak leak that you would see the smoke coming out, but I found it with propane by wanding underneath it and watching the O2 sensor and seeing a slight change in you know, O2 signal, which, for the record... Um, finding the part was almost as hard as, as diagnosing it. Thank God for FordParts.com. True story. Um, got on the phone with my Ford dealer. He couldn't identify which hose was. I went out to FordParts.com, and, you know, I learned the system. You got to FordParts.com. They give you the base part number, which I was looking at at the same time with my Ford dealer, and he said, okay, here's the base part number. Go to this page. I typed that in. It brought me to the page on FordParts.com, and then we were able to bring up the diagram, and I said, yeah, it's number three, and he said, right, you need um, base part number plus 9676, which was the, the, the enough of a part number that he said, yeah, I can get you one of those. It's 57 bucks, et cetera, et cetera, and sure enough, I had it the next day. So without FordParts.com, I don't think I would have been able to look it up easily, and it would have probably been one or two days of, oops, wrong part, so uh, thank God for FordParts.com. Uh, but that's how we did it, and we ended up fixing the truck, and, um, you know, that's sometimes that's an example of how sometimes smoke doesn't work, propane does. I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor, ready to drive everybody home and uh, help solve your car problem at 855-560-9900. Well, I was busy reading something, Mikey. It's it's okay. Um, I want to point out that, and that's what I was reading. Um, I, I, we've been talking about this for a while. November, I believe it's November 16th. Wait a minute. Let me turn and look at the paper that Mikey interrupted me from reading. Yeah, November 16th through the 17th, Virginia Beach Convention Center down in Virginia. Car Doctor is going to be down there live on that Saturday doing a live broadcast from 2 to 4 p.m. So uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing everybody down there. Virginia Way, if you're in the area, stop in and see us for the live broadcast. We'll be out there somewhere on the show floor. Um, uh, you know, and it's fun. I like to get out and a little bit of a Car Doctor road trip and see uh, hot rods from another part of the country and uh, see what's going on. But we'll be down there, Virginia Beach Convention Center, November 16th and 17th. If you've got a hot rod in the area, bring it by and uh, stop in. Yes, Mr. Ray, you can't enter the escape. 
Uh, no, I was just going to say, you're going to the beach. You're not taking Mike and I on this trip. Well, what's and, up with this? Well, it makes sense to me. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen Mike's knees? Um, unfortunately, I have to sit here and work with him. So yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's it's um. You know, it's 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 going to be November anyway, Tom. If you want to come to Virginia Beach in November. I would probably I should I would probably pay to do that, but um, yeah. Anyway, this is going to be a business trip. We'll be down there um, doing whatever, doing a live remote. Um, let's do some email real quick because I, I got a pile. I got a stack in my hands. This comes to us from Frank. Hey Ron, would you recommend aluminized steel or stainless steel for the exhaust on my '72 454 four-speed Corvette? You know, some of this is personal preference. Some of this is what's easier to work with. Y you know. You're not driving, and again, what part of the country, how much are you driving this car? Is this going to be out in all kinds of crazy weather? Um, I doubt it. Uh, you know, I kind of like the aluminized pipe. If I have to modify it, bend it, move it, twist it, tweak it, take it apart, I find the aluminized pipe to be a little bit easier to work with. Stainless steel is it, it, it's brittle. Um, it's it's hard to manipulate if you have to. It's very unforgiving if you have to make any changes. Um, and you know what? The aluminized stuff, I think, looks better. I think the stainless steel is just a little too shiny, and uh, we expect too much out of it. Me, I'd put aluminized on it, but again, it's a personal preference. Ron, this comes to us from Greg. What, Ron, what's the name of the alternator company you mentioned a couple of weeks ago I was driving on a could not make a note. Thanks. This is from Greg in the 207 area code, wherever that is. Uh, Powermaster, uh, I believe is who I was talking about. I forget exactly why we were talking about. Somebody had called in with an alternator charging problem on a late model Chevrolet, if I recall correctly. And um, they were looking for an alternator replacement, and it was a little bit of a hot rod. That's right. They had put a V8 into an S10 Blazer, and he was looking for a hot rod. He wanted a true one-wire alternator for that, uh, I think it was an early 90s or a late 80s, um, Chevy S10, Powermaster, powermaster.com, I believe it is. You can just Google Powermaster and um, go out there. They've got all sorts of choices. Uh, very nice website, very nice bunch of people. Um, I met the owner vis-a-vis -vis telephone probably 10 years ago, John, I believe his name is. Um, I haven't talked to him since then. I was um, on the forums, and I was in the process of putting Black 2 together, and I had a problem with the starter that I had gotten from a company by the name of Tilton. And they really didn't want to know anything. It was my problem. It, you know, it's the way it was. And it, it, it wasn't. Um, they weren't explaining the way to shim it properly. Or there was just some missing piece of information. Uh, John read the post on the forum, I believe it was, called me up, sent me a starter, which, by the way, John, if you ever get this message, you never did send me a bill for the starter. So I'm more than glad to pay it if you'd ever send me a bill. But, um, you know, just a super nice guy. He says, listen, I just want to see somebody solve a problem. A real hot rodder at heart just trying to take care of people. So um, powermaster.com. Uh, this one comes to us from Jim. Ron, I've got a 2015. He's got the, he's got the answer here, too. I've got a 2015 Ford Escape, 1.6 liter, 32,000 miles. Service engine soon symbol illuminates on the dash. I looked into the owner's manual to see what it means. After several drive cycles, four or so, the light turned off. After a month or so of limited driving, the light came on again. The air filter is new, and I had an oil and filter change done in 19, January of 19, and I've only driven about 1,000 miles or so since. Someone suggested that maybe the shop that did the oil change didn't reset the oil change do light so that I did that and the light went out. I haven't driven much then. See if the light stays off. Well, let's back up a second. Service engine soon symbol has absolutely nothing to do with an oil change on this or any other car. 
A check engine light, a service engine soon light has nothing to do with maintenance. It's always going to be emissions related. That's the way the law is written, the Clean Air Act of, of, of 1991. That's the way it's written. That's the way it's going to be unless they change the law. Just for curiosity, Jim continues, I scanned the vehicle for codes and code P26B7 came up, coolant bypass solenoid valve shorted, uh, or coolant bypass valve solenoid circuit issue. I was surprised I got a code since the light wasn't on. I've looked online and this valve solenoid appears to be an issue with the escapes built in 13, but mine was built in 14, so apparently the 14 escapes have the same problem. My question to you is why did resetting the oil change light cause the service engine light to go off and will it remain off? And also, since my escape is less than five years old, only 32,000 miles, shouldn't the coolant bypass valve be covered under warranty? Well, let's see. You're writing this to me in 19. It's a 13 vehicle, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Car's out by time. Um, it's, it's out by time. It's six going on seven years old. Uh, this happened in August. It happened two weeks ago. Um, so I think it's out by that. Why the oil change light went off from resetting service engine soon? I'm going to say coincidence because I know of no reason why. Resetting oil light on that vehicle is a matter of holding your foot on the brake and the gas pedal to the floor at the same time with the with the ignition switched on. Um, uh, or is it, I'm sorry, just foot on the brake pedal while it goes into reset. But I see no connection between that and the service engine soon light. I think that's just a fluke. The answer was, Ronnie, enjoy your show up all your free help from Jim. I researched online, found four TSB 16-0052 for the escapes with the 1.6 built in 13 with the coolant bypass valve failure. I took my 15 escape. Did it change time again? No, he's right. Okay, no, I'm sorry. He got me confused on years. This is a 15 escape. So this is, or it is only five years old, so technically it should be covered under warranty. I took my 15 escape to the dealership, showed them the TSB. I told them I didn't think it was a coincidence that my escape built. Well, whatever, Jim. They, they don't care. Um, I chatted with the foreign rep, explained the situation. They understood my point but could not help me and told me, to make sure I keep the receipt, and Ford decided to do a recall. The total repair cost to me was under seventy dollars. So I'm guessing it's out by it's out by warranty. It's out by time and mileage. Um, but I'm glad to hear it was resolved. I still think the escapes are a good little vehicle. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you resolved it. From Wally in Iowa, I'm not sure why he wrote this email. Would using the auto dim feature shorten the life of the headlights due to constantly changing between high and low beam? I'm in particular asking about HID lights, Wally in Iowa. Maybe. Does it matter? Are you going to stop using HID lights on a vehicle with an auto dim feature? Um, I guess we would have to take a, a conclusive survey and see how many vehicles are prematurely going through bulbs. I will tell you this. I think headlight bulbs in general last much longer than they have in the past. Um, I think it's also very important that if you replace headlight bulbs, that you're using a good quality bulb, that you're using something from a good manufacturer uh, but I would have to say that if we're talking about a production vehicle, production HIDs, production auto dim feature, no, I don't think it does, Wally, because I think if there were going to be any electrical shortcomings, the surge of light bulb on and off, I would think the engineer put some type of a suppressor or um, uh, a rebound capacitor in there so that the, there's not a spike out to the lights when they're turned on and off like that. An aftermarket situation where somebody wired something in, I'd have to sit down and look at a wiring diagram. But again, why? When the bulb burns out, we'll change it. It wouldn't prevent you from using the auto-doom feature anyway. But um, I try to answer all my questions, all my emails. Ron and Annie, the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Just take your place in the drive. Welcome back. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Todd in Iowa, 04 Jeep Liberty. Todd, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, sir. I had a question about my... Uh 
uh, 04 Jeep Liberty. Okay. I, uh, I was in Minnesota, and the power steering went on, and got it back home, and they put up a uh, new rack and pinion in it. I put a uh, new power steering pump on it, but, you know, it, it still ain't never been right. And, like, when I crank it up, I mean, I got good power steering. I can go down the road. 70, 75 miles, maybe 50 miles, and, you know, feel like I don't have any power steering. Right. I don't. And and is it no power steering assist in either direction, Todd, or is it one direction over the other? It's in both directions. You know, it's, it's harder to turn it than it should be. Okay. All right. Have you gone back and talked to them about it? Oh, actually, I, I dropped it off uh, last week, and uh, they haven't got to it yet. Okay. But All right. I was had some other work doing to it, too. You know, ask them what's the possibility, if you talk to them during the week, ask them what's the possibility. Does this vehicle sit at all? No, actually, the vehicle stays on the road. I use it as, I use it as a tow car while, when I'm delivering trucks. Okay, gotcha. So it stays it, on the highway. is it out in all kinds of crummy weather? Uh, the worst weather I've been in is Minnesota, Wisconsin weather. Okay. Um, higher mileage, older vehicle. Is there is there any rust? You know, and what I'm trying to get at is there's a flex coupling, there's a flex joint down at the lower end of the steering column that that sits above the rack that's known to rust, that's known to bind up and fail as it gets older. And I've seen them, uh, you know, barring that this is not a straight mechanical problem, power steering component related problem to something they changed. You know, a bad new pump, a bad new rack, which is possible, right? New means never ever work. New doesn't mean it's it's good. It just means it hasn't been field tested yet. Um, you know, as we like to think. But the 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 coupling down at the base on top of the steering column, and I believe this has this in 04, uh, 3, 4, 5, 6 had them, um, if I remember right. That the uh, rag joint, the coupling would rust. And what they could try to do is just soak the coupling with some. Now watch what I say. Not a lubricating oil but a rust-penetrating oil, something you know, something like a PB blaster that will get down into the rust and work its way in and start to break the rust down. And then after you know, letting it sit there um, a, a day or two, then I'd start to hit it with a lubricant because the, the, my belief system is the, the, the rust buster will open up the passageways, and then I'll put the lubricant on, and then the lubricant will work its way in to lubricate the components and and you know if the joint has any sort of binding in it, if all of a sudden it gets better, at least we know what part has to be changed. If that makes any sense to you, short of it being a bad new component, that's where I would I would tend to look. Okay, because yeah, I had the rack and pinion replacing them. I took right. it back, and they said that was bad, and they put another one on, and then I took it somewhere else and had another pump right. put on it. Because I got to, and, and I got to, I got to tell you, you got to watch. Power steering racks and brake calipers are probably the two biggest problem components in the automotive aftermarket right now in terms of getting good replacement parts. They they just they just don't seem to exist. So, just ask them, hey, who's the rebuilder and what's the warranty and is it possible? And you know, if they think it's a rack, just for giggles, you 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 might be better off with something finding something used, and I, I don't say this often, but you might be better off finding something used out of a salvage yard um, with lower miles on it, or you might be better off if one's still available from Chrysler, biting the bullet and paying the extra freight, 
because at least you know it'll work and you're not without your vehicle for an extended period of time. You know. Yeah, and I um, think that's what I was uh, had in mind this time. Uh, if they told me it was the rack, I was just going to tell them put original equipment on there. Right, and I'll pay the difference, and you'll pay the difference, and that's a reasonable solution. Yeah. But don't overlook don't overlook that steering coupling, brother. I've I've seen more than a few of those be intermittent. I've seen more than a few of those be a problem. And if it is, I don't want you spending more money than you have to to solve something that's in an entirely different area. All right? Yeah, yeah. I really don't want to spend a lot. I put all like four grand in it back in January. I replaced lower control, upper arms, all that up yeah. on that, you yep. know. So. Yep, yep. No, I get it. I get it. So, all right, kiddo. But that's how we would do it. You have yourself a good rest of the weekend, all right? Yes, sir, and you too, and thanks for the information. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, it's, you know, got to diagnose, diagnose, diagnose. That's the three rules. So 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Let's go down to Florida and talk to Chuck. Chuck, O2 Ford Ranger, how can I help? Yes, uh, the ignition, uh, when I turned it on, it's very difficult to get it all the way up over to where it'll start. Okay. Sometimes it's intermittent, and uh, also the shift le lever is very difficult to get back and forth. Oh. Had it lubricated, they took the uh, steering wheel off, said the little pin in there, but that wasn't a problem. Oh, automatic, or st automatic or stick, Chuck? Automatic. Automatic and, and the tilt steering wheel. Okay. So let's deal with the first problem first. The, 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 my first question is, did these two problems come about at the same time, or was it one then the other? Same time. Same time. So let's fix the easier yeah. one. Um, if they disconnect the shift linkage, the cable at the base of the column, is the shifter still difficult to move? They didn't do that. Okay. Right? Let's, let's, let's eliminate half the circuit. If, if the shifter is still hard to move with the cable disconnected and it's just a simple connection at the base of the column, then we know the fault's in the column. If the key is difficult to turn, is the key super worn? How badly worn is the key? Well, sometimes I have to stick a nail in there and get some twist to it. Okay. My arthritis is a little bad. <laughs> All right. have, you, have you tried another key? Do you have another key that you can use instead of the one you're using? Yes, I do. I haven't tried that. All right. Um, you know, if another key makes a difference, then look at your key. Is your key very worn? How badly worn is your key? You know, the, the, the issue becomes, where's the fault? Is it in the column itself, or is it, you know, is, is the shifter problem because the cable is binding up internally, or maybe there's a problem down at the trans shift linkage, and that's separate from the column? And, and as far as the key, is the key so badly worn that it's affecting the lock tumblers? You know, it seems like a very clear-cut problem. If the if the issue ends up being inside the column, I know there are more than a few companies out there because you'll never find parts uh, for from the manufacturer anymore. It's 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 older. It's 17 years old. But there are companies out there rebuilding these Ford steering columns for these particular problems. There are bushings inside that wear out. There are mechanisms that wear out. So let's just decide and try and find out. Does a key change it using a different key? Does disconnecting the shift cable from the bottom of it make it any difference? And then you can kind of go from there. Call me if you need more info. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.